0: Well, you're at the game and it's Friday night And you want to make sure that the calls are right This is high school football rules There's a hole in a fumble and an illegal pass Now what do you do, cause you're the ref this is high school football rules Well, sit on down and kick right back You're gonna listen to Luke and Matt They're talking high school football High
1: Welcome to High School Football Rules, the high school football podcast where we're talking about nothing but the rules. Again, this is great for officials. It's centered towards the officials. We are officials, but also is uh, great for anybody who's a parent, moms especially. They really like to know the rules. I've, I know that. Um, and then coaches. Coaches, you know, feel free to send us in your weird plays, weird questions, Tonight, we're talking about nine, conduct of players and others. Once again, I got my brother, Luke. He's the rules guy. Say hi, Luke. Hey. We'll get right into it. Nine-one, helping the runner. An offensive player shall not push, pull, or lift the runner to assist his forward progress.
2: So this is one where it's like a, uh, it's one of those things where it's in the rule book one way, but the way it kind of... uh, plays out when we're actually on the field is a little different so have the-
1: you ever called this
2: uh no I have not
1: we had one guy call it uh Matt great dude Matt he Matt used to wear a nut cup just in case he was in a pile and he would get uh accidentally kicked uh, kicked things like that Matt was a he was a good dude he was over officious he called this once and we had to beg him to please please Matt just let us pick up this but you know, every once in a great while, I think you'll see it, you know, where a running back, I don't know, an offensive lineman tries to pick him up and carry him five yards, like, that's a little egregious. But if you've got a, run, a huge pile, a huge scrum, and all of a sudden the linemen are coming from behind and they're trying to get that surge, I mean, technically, that's against the rules. That's helping the runner. You're you're not. You're pushing, you're pulling, you're lifting. Um, but, again, this is, I mean, crapes. If anybody ever calls this, it better be. Extremely, extremely obvious, but
2: the one that uh, that I guess that if you're gonna call this one, the time is, uh, you know, not not when someone's pushing a runner from behind, not a scrum, yep. not something kind of looks like a rugby play where you're trying to just get you know one two yards up the middle and the whole team is kind of pushing together, where this really comes into place is if a lineman or a teammate of the runner is in front of them and is like pulling them, like pulling them almost on top of themselves. That is the time mm-hmm. to say this is assisting the runner. In that case, you're not blocking an opponent. You're not pushing together. You're, you're literally carrying the guy, picking him up. So uh, almost like when we call a holding penalty, it's a reverse takedown type action, it's that lineman who's keeping him up, pulling him, trying to get an extra yard or two. And again, uh, make sure everyone in the, in the whole stadium sees it that way too. It, you don't want this one to be a... You know the coach is asking you what you're calling it for. It should be a big thing and, and kind of an extended lineman carrying the guy or pulling him uh, out yeah. of the scrum.
1: Nine two illegal use of hands and holding. Article one: An offensive player, except the runner, shall not a use a blocking technique which is not permissible by rule two three two or two three
2: three. Yeah, so that's just getting into some definition stuff. Essentially, um, whether you're using closed hands or open hands, we want. Uh, your, your arms to be kind of within your frame. The hands should be in advance of your elbows. There's a whole bunch of definition stuff, which we can go back to at a certain point. But this is just saying you're not able to go outside your frame, grab somebody. Um, just some fundamental stuff that people know when they see. But uh, the, the definition stuff covers what's a legal way to engage an opponent for, for someone blocking.
1: Yeah, and for new officials, it's super easy. I mean, again, you could call holding on basically any play you want to. Uh, interior you know as you get older or as the you get into the next levels especially but that inside of your frame thing is big right if because sure. if, if you're inside if, if your hands are inside your frame that means your body's in position to do a good block when you get the hands that extend out and you've got like a, you're gonna clothesline a guy that's when it's just it's obvious that's your beat right the guy's got around your shoulder and that's when you're trying to do an illegal act to stop that guy but if they're inside the frame the theory is, is that you are in a blocking position. Um, you know, you're in good position. So
2: there, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, well, there's a difference between grasping and holding. I guess that's probably the way yeah. I, I put it. It's yeah. legal for the offensive guy to to grasp the opponent across from, but he's got to be kind of uh, in the middle of the guy. He can't be out on his arms. He can't be on shoulder pads, that kind of thing. But he can grab and and, and I guess manipulate the guy. It's once that player then tries to, like, break away and he keeps them or some other things like that that, that give us holding. So yeah. grabbing and holding are not the same thing. Holding takes away something and, and is saying that the player who's holding is in a bad position and is kind of not letting the guy play freely is, is the easiest yeah. way to think about it.
1: Article 1, an offensive player except the runner shall not. We'll go to number B here. Grasp or encircle any teammate to form interlocking blocking.
2: Yeah, I think of this as uh, you know, think of the old Goofy and Mickey Mouse cartoons. You can't like grab your arms and do Red Rover, Red Rover, and try to go block and clothesline the other team. You can't in circles, kind of a funny one. You could have people all around them, almost like uh, I don't know, a military battle. A flying thing. V. Yeah, there you go. A flying V. There, yeah. You can't run behind the flying V if they're all if they're if they're grabbing each other's arms to make it so that a player can't get there. So just saying, you can't hold hands with the guy next to you.
1: Okay, C. Use his hands, arms. Or legs to hook lock clamp grasp and circle or hold in an effort to restrain an opponent
2: and again uh, going back to our conversation about legal ways to get them, this is the, all the stuff that's not in the frame uh, extending too far grabbing out and around so this is the the, the I guess the, what people mostly think of as holding
1: article 2 in a legal use of hands at holding states that the runner may not grasp a teammate
2: yeah, this is kind of an interesting one. I don't think I've ever called this specific thing, but the idea would be you have a fullback with a running back following behind him. He can't grab the guy's jersey and just follow him. He's supposed to. I mean, a lot of times we'll see him put his hand on it, but actually, like getting pulled, you know, like he's uh, water skiing behind the guy is what this is yeah. covering. So I, again, not one that really comes up too often, but officially it's illegal by rule.
1: Like I, every once in a while, you see a running back who's pretty pretty darn good when they do this, but they've got a they've got the either the fullback or the pulling lineman you know and they're following through them and they might see that somebody's coming or want him to go one way so they'll take the back of their jersey and throw it to the left right to into into a blocker or something like that again are you going to call that probably not well
2: that's that's probably a, a push or a shove versus a grasp yeah. so again i think yeah. of water skiing when they're talking about this but uh, uh yeah mm-hmm. i mean good running backs do kind of you know, use their blockers and kind of you know help them to say, hey, go this way, so I can go that way, kind of thing.
1: Illegal use of hands and holding. Article three states that a defensive player shall not a use a technique that is not permissible by rule two three two or two three five.
2: Yep, same definition things here. Just going back to what they can and cannot do with their hands.
1: Okay, or b use his hands to add momentum to the charge of a teammate who is on the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, this is uh. What we talked about was legal for the offense to kind of all push together and not not help the runner, but that that pushing momentum, shoving together thing. It's actually illegal for the defense to to aid his partner to get through. Where we see this most often is on like kick plays when they're trying to shoot gaps. Uh, you can't push somebody through the gap. You have to essentially make your own charge. Or again, if it's your shoulder pushing or something, you just can't use your arms to like help a guy through. Is really what they're saying here.
1: Okay. C. Use his hands or arms to hook, lock, clamp, grasp, and circle or hold in an effort to restrain an opponent other than the runner.
2: Yeah. Similar idea here. The, the defensive lineman can't all you know, do Red Rover either. <laughs> That's the easiest way to put it.
1: Yeah. I think I see this come up, and it's called, particularly NFL. And I, and I called this one time and got politely asked to pick it up. But, you know, if you got a, a think of a D back, and you've got a pulling guard coming out, right? And you get a little D back. Well, the D back's not going to make the tackle, but in an effort to essentially take out the lead blocker, um, I've seen it where a guy has more or less, he's getting blocked, but then he'll grab on to the front of the jersey of a, of a lineman and just pull him over. You know, so he's taking that guy out of the play, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I think essentially that's illegal. I mean, that, that lineman, he might want to just plow that guy to the left and then keep going up as a lead blocker. And so technically that's illegal. Or if you've got a, an interior lineman who's all of a sudden going to grab one one to the center and the guard with his left and right hand and just pull them over. And he's going to take out two guys by essentially pulling them. You know, that's technically illegal Correct. now again, our, it's going to have to be a time and a place kind of a thing, and it's got to be very, very obvious, and and maybe it happens once or twice before you actually call it where you give a warning, but that's where I see this one coming in more than anything.
2: The the only other one I like to bring up is there is some times with interior line play where if a team does pull their guards or tackles to kind of go lead around the other side, sometimes a defensive, you know, their, their counterpart will try to grab them and prevent them from getting around. You can't yeah. restrict or, that guy from, from leading. Or he'll rather. tackle him,
1: yeah. You'll yeah. see him and he'll, he'll just grab his feet. Yeah, yep. that, that's a good one too. Uh, illegal use of hands and holding, Article 3. A defensive player shall not, D, contact an eligible receiver who is no longer a potential blocker.
2: Yeah, so this is uh, when we get into where we talk about pass plays, there's a difference between pass interference and defensive holding. Uh, a player who is out in his route um, is no longer up again. Maybe I usually, I usually use the, uh, they're on the same yard line as the, the D back or whoever's defending them. You know, it could be a, a linebacker or something too. But um, they can't, once, it, once it's clear that this guy's running a pass pattern and not coming to block you on a run play, you can't grab and hold and restrict them. Now, the difference between a defensive hold there and a, a defensive pass interference is whether or not the pass is in flight. So this would be before the quarterback has passed the ball. You also can't restrict yeah. a receiver, just like if it, the pass was going, we'd have defensive pass interference.
1: So this, you know, this is saying that the penalty is technically illegal use of hands or arms. Okay, now I perceive this as that if you've got wide receiver who's on the line, D back who's on, in like a press coverage, that's where that D back can. The initial charge, he can give that guy a shot, right? Because he's still, in theory... Technically a blocker right there. You don't know if he's a blocker or not, but kind of as soon as that guy either releases out, you know, flares out, or starts going down, now all of a sudden he's a potential receiver, and you know he's not a blocker. But am I am I seeing that correctly?
2: Correct. Again, if that guy is not on the same yard line as you, there's always the potential that he's going to come out and block you and have someone run behind him. So it's more along the lines of once they're clearly trying to run around you. Uh, if they're if they're past you, or if they're in the same area and they're kind of looking back, they're not they're not in it, in, ready to engage you as a blocker. That's where we mm-hmm. kind of say, well, then they are more a receiver at that point than a potential blocker.
1: So yeah, so you I mean you'll have you'll have everybody will ask you. That's one of those questions that you get Hey, can we can we press? You know, because I think it's a it's a fairly well known thing in the college and and the pros and they and they show it a lot. But it, you know, in high school, that initial as long as they're lined up. I would say that receiver must be on the line. You know, he can't be uh, off the line. He can't be one of the four in the backfield. That's when that is legal.
2: Yeah, I would say it's even. I mean, there's pretty similar philosophies across the board in the other ones. But uh, again, I think high school is almost a little bit more. We run plays, we run running plays more often than those other couple codes. So it, it, you see more wide receivers in the run game doing blocking. Um, so again, they just. They have to be very clear that they are not coming out to engage with that person. They are running around, you know, through making a you know some yeah. kind of cut or something around them to not be considered for this uh, to, for, to be a blocker at that point.
1: Nine three illegal blocking article one blocking by a player either on offense or defense is illegal when it is a kick catching interference as in six five six we've covered that. B forward pass interference as in seven five ten we've covered that. And a personal foul, as in nine four. Yeah, cool. We'll, we'll cover in a minute here. Yep. Legal blocking. Article two: A player shall not block an opponent below the waist, except a in the free blocking zone when the contact meets the requirements of two seventeen.
2: Uh so this is just saying, um, I guess that this is a kind of an update to the rule this year. We we no longer have it where when the ball's in there. Uh, you know, that you can kind of block low anytime any time. Right now, everything is a initial charge for this. So um, this, this rule has been updated, and I think the definition of when it's legal to block low is what 217 is talking about.
1: Yeah, 217, free blocking zone, legal blocking, states, the free blocking zone is a rectangular area extending laterally four yards either side of the spot of the snap and three yards behind each line of scrimmage a player is in the free blocking zone when any part of his body is in the zone at the snap blocking below the waist so
2: so here the big thing is uh we we talk a lot about like it's a line play against a line player Uh, a guy who's a linebacker who ends up and comes and tries to blitz if he's on the line at the snap then he can be blocked low if he is a yard off which is outside of the zone now he cannot be blocked low even though he's making that initial charge
1: Okay. Blocking below the waist is permitted in the free blocking zone when the following conditions are met. Again, this is all part of two seventeen, but it's huge for most high school games. So, uh, when the following conditions are met: a) all players involved in the blocking are on the line of scrimmage and in the zone at the snap; the con- b) the contact is in the zone; and c) the block is an immediate initial action following the snap. And I think that's the that's a point of emphasis emphasis this year. The block is immediate initial action following the snap
2: and it's a change so it used to just be while the ball is there in there and there's some other things behind it so now it literally if you if you're a lineman and for purposes of the play we're going to be a little dramatic with it but if you we say hike the ball goes and you kind of go low right away at somebody who is across from you on the line of scrimmage you're fine if you stand up and then go down which is not immediate we're considering that a pause just the fact that they kind of stood up and then it's a secondary act, that is now a follow this year. It had not been previously. This is trying to make it, I mean, block, low blocks are something that can injure people's legs and knees and stuff, so they're just making it more of a you could expect it right away if there's any pause at all, uh, it's not allowed. What it also takes away now is uh, a couple things. The, the running backs can no longer block low, right? They're not on the line. They're not blocking somebody on the line. They used to be able to kind of in this free blocking zone area. The other play, player that's really affected by this and it's been a foul for a while for them we just talked about that d-back and you got that big guard coming around the end and uh, one of the tactics they used to take is just go low you know bail out kind of take on one blocker but and get get him I guess out of the play that's illegal they can't a d-back can't take on a lineman low that's a foul on him for illegal low block
0: yeah,
1: same thing with like a you know you see linebackers often if they see a fullback's coming up they just want to plug a hole they'll just dive dive forward and get take out that fullback so yeah you really have to watch that um, article three again we're still reading two seventeen the definition of free blocking zone legal blocking um, we're kind of we're kinda past the, the we're,
2: we're past the legal low block where everything else now is when you can block in the back as a lineman because you're in the there so okay um, I think. The, the key of what we're talking about with the foul back in Rule 9, the illegal low block part we covered here in Article 2.
1: Article 2. Illegal blocking Article 2. A player shall not block an opponent below the waist except, B, to tackle a runner or player pretending to be a runner. I think we just basically just covered that one uh, in with part of the definition.
2: Yeah, well, and it's just saying all those restrictions we just had, You can anyone can tackle the the runner low. You can officially clip the runner. You can tackle him from behind below the legs. This is Mm -hmm. just kind of a catch-all for all the wording that says you can't do this stuff to people. If he's the runner or if it's someone carrying out a fake that looks like a runner, it's legal to do these things.
1: Article 3, a receiver who has given a valid or invalid fair catch signal shall not block an opponent until the kick has ended. We've talked about that. Essentially, you're giving yourself up. You're giving up the right by uh, giving a fair catch signal to then be a blocker.
2: Yep, and again, the the kick ending is when someone possesses it. So this is different. Some other codes say like they can't block at all during that play. This is saying once the kick ended, then that player is back uh, able to run again. Now, if a player from his team is the one who possesses it, remember, we're not letting him advance it either from a kick. So it should pretty much be that guy who gave the fair catch signal shouldn't be doing anything else on that play.
1: Article four: The kicker or place kick holder of a free kick may not be blocked before a, he has advanced five yards beyond the free kick line, or b, the kick has touched the ground on any other player.
2: Yep, or, or any other player. Uh, so this is just this is just saying. I mean, they're they're kind of protecting him so that you don't have, uh, again, uh, a knucklehead that's you know ten yards away from him just run you know this guy is taking his seven yards up he's kicked the ball he's kind of getting his balance and stuff they don't want someone just rushing right at him and knocking him right so uh in order to protect him more uh they're they're restricting him from contact until he really moves on to participate in the play
1: and i never i never ever got that having you know kind of that center guy on the free kick line 10 yards past where the kickers are run up and kick the you know, just. blast the kicker i mean is it trying to, Are they trying to intimidate him I, I i just you're taking out a i don't get it but it, you know now and we, we always always say like that's just cheap and now there's actually a rule um that prevents it and so i mean there, there's other things you can call to unnecessary roughness things like that but it specifically states here the kicker has advanced five yards beyond his free kick line um it's a penalty illegal blocking yep Article 5, a player shall not block an opponent in the back except A, in the free blocking zone when the contact meets the requirements of 217, B, using hands and arms to contact an opponent above the waist in warding off a blocker or when attempting to reach a runner or catch or recover a loose ball which he may legally touch or possess, C, to tackle a runner or player pretending to be a runner.
2: Yeah, so we're saying like the team who has the ball, they can't block an opponent in the back, but that opponent, as he's trying to get to the player, he can ward off the guy coming at him by touching him in the back if he wants to. Otherwise, we could do things like if we were a basketball player and we were blocking out for a uh, a rebound kind of play, you could do that, and then if that defender comes and engages you, it'd be an illegal block by him in the back. So this is just saying on the offense, you can't block a defender in the back if Defender is trying to go get to the ball carrier, he can do he can block you high in the back and stuff to get try to get to go get to the ball player or the ball carrier.
1: So I saw this uh one of the state tournaments a couple years ago and I thought just I thought to- I totally thought this and I, I did not know this rule until I just read it. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, you know, you've got a, f- a snap over the quarterback's head, right? And so the quarterback is running backwards towards his own end zone, the ball is loose. A D lineman is chasing that guy down. He just tackled the quarterback, you know, to prevent him from getting the ball. I thought that was illegal contact. But this is stating here, like, hey, if there's a loose ball, you can tackle a guy, right, in an attempt to recover a loose ball, which you may legally touch or possess.
2: You can block him in the back is what this is saying. You can, if you and the quarterback are both running for the ball, you can shove him to the ground in the back. You can't tackle him. That's still. Well, a can I just trigger. tackle him? I don't think we can because that's yeah. still so, preventing him from going somewhere, but knocking him over by knocking him in the back, it's not a block in the back on that case. It's saying yeah. there's a loose ball, you're trying to get to it, you're free to push him in the back if you want to.
1: So maybe I am right that you, you can't just go tackle like If two people are going, you can't just tackle a guy and then let your other guy get it. It's illegal holding
2: or so like so, the, so the exception to that now is if you think he's a runner which again i don't think the play you described is the same thing yeah you can tackle people who you think is the runner but uh, otherwise yep. it's the same you can just you can shove them you can't you, you can say get out of my way i'm going to the ball instead of you can't just tackle them so your buddy can come get to the ball
1: illegal blocking nine three illegal blocking article six says a player shall not chop block or clip
2: yeah so uh clipping being a block from behind below the waist and more specifically kind of at the knee or below I think the definition will get into that if you're like at the waistline you don't want to nitpick this one where it gets dangerous is if you're falling on people's calves and knee area when you're making that block and then uh, um, the chop block is a high low combination specifically so any combination of two blockers one being high one being low uh, is considered a chop block you can be high high you can be low low with this initial charge rule but the second we have that mix that's a dangerous play for the person being blocked
1: i think you know every time that we see a chop block at least i do from the back back judge position the first time you're like huh you know because no offense purposely does this you Somebody know? Screwed and up. you're going yeah and you're gonna get offensive coordinators or something like this say no way you know he's not even supposed to be there and it's like yeah You're right. He's not supposed to be there, but he messed up, you know. And so, again, this will be a penalty that uh, the coaches go back and look at. And so kind of make it big. Usually it's fairly obvious, but if somebody's kind of rolling into a guy's hip or something, as opposed to a low block, high block, I mean, make sure it's there. Uh, I guess the caveat to that is that if somebody's injured because of it, you better make sure you've got it because uh, then the other coach can be mad. But, you know, again, it, it, you're going to get arguments about it. That was a chop block. No,
0: it, how can we do There's no
1: way that was a chop block, you know, and so. Well,
2: and, and what should happen now is now that we've had this rule change, so where it has to be a low block specifically has to be part of the immediate charge, the only time we should see chop blocks at all should be um, with kind of initial blocking real quick, that hike and then two guys go, one accidentally went to the wrong gap or filled the wrong hole, He went high on a guy, and the guy behind him was, like, reaching for it. Now, we used to get him quite a bit with you'd have a guy engaged high, and then the the running back would come up and try to also take him on, and he would go low because that's a good technique for running Mm -hmm. back, taking on a big D lineman. Now he can't go low anyway, right? It's illegal for him to block low at, at any time. So I'm hoping this makes this just interior line. And, again, it can come up now with these guys, but you'd have both an illegal low block and a chop block potential if you have a running back. You know engaging with alignment
1: yeah so we've got blocking below the waist which is a 15 yard penalty and then we've got an illegal block what is a chop considered uh blocking below the waist or i don't think there's a chop block penalty is there
2: yeah chop block and clipping both carry 15 anyway oh so 15 it, yeah
1: Oh, and and blocking below the waist and uh, and chop block are both 15. So, again, I mean –
2: Sorry. So, block – oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You you said blocking below the waist. So, both of those are 15. Blocking in the back is 10. So, we just kind of went from one area to the next. Uh, All these low block, which are safety foul things, they all carry 15 with them.
1: Yeah. And the only reason to bring that up is sometimes you're like, man – it just didn't look good. Well, you know what? Default to blocking below the waist, right? I mean, th- clearly that guy blocked below the waist because chop block, it's, it gets pretty technical sometimes. And so, you know, default to blocking below the waist, they're both 15-yard penalties. They're both, you know, legal, kind of go from there. You're going to get argue- – again, I it shouldn't happen, but coaches are always going to argue with chop block because they've worked six days, the past six days, running against air or their, you know, JV team and it's never happened once. And all of a sudden, oh, you now you're telling me, you know, things like that. So. Just
2: just tell him that this player blocked the wrong cone. <laughs> Anyone who's done the yeah, walkthrough thing, yeah. he, blo- he went to the wrong cone, coach. I'm sorry, but he did.
1: Um, you know, these, these zone schemes, I mean, that's when, that's when I really see it. I remember one team specifically, he shouldn't even be there. Yeah, you're right, coach. He shouldn't be there, but he was. Yeah. So stop yelling at me because your guy messed up. So, yeah. That's it. 9-3, illegal blocking. Article 7 states that no member of the kicking team shall initiate contact to block an opponent on a free kick until A, the legal kick has traveled 10 yards, B, the kicking team is eligible to recover a free kick ball, C, the receiving team initiates a block within the neutral zone.
2: Yeah, so we, we covered this stuff when we were talking about kick play, but just a reminder, uh, until cake can legally possess it or legally recover the wall... Um, they can't block, and again, these are all just. We get really deep into them when we talk about free kick plays uh, in Rule Seven. Yeah, or and 6, again, seven. 6. I think
1: the big one, yeah, the big one in uh, Article Seven here is that if you've got a little, little pooch kick, you know everybody's pretty good at it now. Uh, K cannot recover until the ball has gone ten yards, and has touched the ground. So if that ball has not touched the ground yet, they cannot uh, recover it. And so, um, you know, if that's in the air, you can't just. Because the ball's in the air and he's looking at it, you can't just plow into him and block him out of the way, you know, until yep. that ball hits the ground.
2: Yeah, and then it d- does give the caveat that if the receiving team comes out and engages Kay, even though they can't legally possess it yet, since the receiver started it, we're not going to penalize Kay for that either. So that's what that Yep. is.
1: But um, then combination blocks. We uh, talked about tape. this.
2: Though. This is just saying for chop blocks specifically, you have to have a high and a low component. Anytime you're either low-low or high-high, doesn't meet the uh, –
1: It's legal. Yep, yep. Okay. 9-4. Illegal personal contact. Article 1 states no player or non-player shall fight.
2: This real shocks me.
1: Do we have to talk about this? No. <laughs> no. Article 2. No player or non-player shall intentionally contact a game official. Do we have to talk about this? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Article 3. No player... Uh, well, let's talk about Article 2 quick. No non-player shall intentionally contact a game official. Now, this is such a touchy subject uh, with with some of the things that have happened, right? And there's been coaches who have sued refs when they are on the playing field and all of a sudden he gets run into, things like that. Um, I personally would use a little bit of discretion just to make sure, but, uh, again, intentionally make sure. Let's make sure it's intentional contact. Yeah. Article 3, no player or non-player shall, A, swing the foot, shin, knee into an opponent, nor extend the knee to meet to meet a blocker.
2: Yeah, we're talking about tripping here. You can't yep. trip anybody.
1: Yep. B, no player or non player shall charge into or throw an opponent to the ground after he is obviously out of play or after the ball is clearly dead, either in or out of bounds.
2: Yeah, this one, uh, you know, I i guess this is one we see very frequently. Uh, if we have a punt play, the ball is, you know, as the referee, I'm kind of cleaning up things way behind the play is down by the 20 i'm still near midfield and you see a player from one team like as the ball is just rolling and about to be down he's kind of just jogging through the play but you know kind of lightening up and then you see a guy from the his opponent team streaking full speed at him right now they're like what i'm just i'm blocking till the whistle but that player is is essentially giving up he's clearly out of the play because of his proximity to the ball we know the play is about to end because they're about to down it. You don't just get to get a free shot and go decleat somebody. So yep. I think this is one of those ones where people, there's a kind of an old-school attitude of you can block until the whistle. This is really saying they have to really be a part of the action of the play, especially when the play is winding down. We don't want to have something 30 yards away all of a sudden blow up. Um, so we, we do have a foul there.
1: Again, the worst thing that could happen is the stinking huddle and people trying to get on recruiting film. If you watch some of these where these pundits who are judging high school kid I, I don't know who these people are, right? Uh, oh, look at that block. You know, and it's like, that's just, that's dumb. He's beating up, you know, you got a 300-pound guy beating up a 160-pound dude on the other team who's just on the kicking team, right? Like, that's just, that's stupid. And so that that's where this comes into play. Article three: No player or non-player shall see. pile on any player who is lying on the ground.
2: Yeah, another one just kind of a hey, you pushed him to the ground. He's already now he's been blocked. He's not going to make the play, and then you're going to dive on to him to finish the block. That's not allowed. You can't. Uh, again, th- there's an attitude out there that says you know you're going to you're going to knock your opponent down and keep him there. Or, you know, but if he's down and you're still standing up, you can't you can't pile on. So this is a great rule, and again, one I don't think is taught to enough uh, linemen.
1: Okay, here comes the most controversial one in this whole thing, I think. No player or non-player shall d hurdle an opponent.
2: All right, let's get into the controversy. So uh, there's kind of, okay, there's a rule here that says you can't jump over somebody. And what I would say is I completely agree with this when someone ends up, like, kicking or stepping on somebody by hurdling it. Now, if we go to the definition of a hurdle, a hurdle just means you jump over somebody. Again, if we're, if we're talking about the book here, we have to say, well, yes, that's a foul. I personally have a philosophy that if someone makes an athletic play and someone's trying to tackle his legs and he jumps over them and then is free to run, why are we penalizing that, right? The, the, yeah. the, it, don't penalize people for being athletic, for doing something that we see, you know, I guess, on all levels here as a phenomenal athletic play for somebody. Now, again, you jump, you land on somebody, you kick somebody, you, you – know, you, put a foot to his helmet or something, great. We're going to call hurtling there. But if it's an athletic play to avoid being tackled, by all means, then I'm, I'm kind of staying off of it. That goes against what the book says. So, again, I, I know I'm out on a limb here, but I don't think we should punish people for being athletes.
1: The easiest way to get over it is to say that he didn't jump over him, he jumped around him, yeah, right? Sure. Like the, the only time that it can really be extremely tough to say is if that guy's belly button goes over his nose, let's say, right? Or like goes in between his shoulders, like it's definitely over, you know, you can easily get out of it by saying, Oh, you know, I just, I don't think he went over him. I think he went around him, you know, and things like that and get around it again. If somebody kicks or uses a hand to push up and over, you know, man, maybe get got to do it and again, time, time and place too. If it's a uh, 60 to nothing and some dudes just again, trying to get on huddle and it's, <laughs> maybe a little bit of a thing i don't know go but try to in my opinion and again against the rule book try to get yourself out of this one as much as possible because again it's just uh again hurting people who are making athletic plays
2: correct and i guess it's a good time to say that that we are not sponsored in any way by huddle on this uh, (laughs) on this podcast
1: no (laughs) no huddle's great but again uh
2: Making highlight think, films out of normal games, I guess, is, is yeah. not the goal of high school football.
1: It's not the goal of huddle either. You know, huddle is supposed to be to for everybody to exchange tape, and all of a sudden we go, "Oh, here's where huddle plays," and it's like, "Oh my goodness, huddle does great things." I used to, I used to be the person in college. I used to have to drive uh, tapes up because I part I played baseball, but then worked with a football team, and I had to drive tapes up from 45 minutes south of Minneapolis to the bus depot in Minneapolis to exchange tapes. That's where they did it every week after the games <laughs> and stuff. So, yeah, glad that huddles around. Yeah. Article 3, uh, legal personal contact E says that position: uh, no player or non-player shall position himself on the shoulders or body of a teammate or opponent to gain an advantage.
2: Yeah, so you just talked about this. You, you use an arm and you kind of – you boost yourself up, uh, especially if you're thinking about people blocking field goals and that kind of thing here. You can't leverage or, or um, uh, again, jump off of a teammate or something like that. So this is just saying you can't gain an advantage by using a, a, a teammate of yours to get higher, further up, down, whatever you want to use there.
1: Okay. No player non-player shall throw a helmet to trip an opponent. That's F.
2: Yeah, and that, uh, uh, that one, uh, just by saying it, I almost would say that's probably a flagrant foul. We haven't really yeah. got into you know enforcement stuff yet, but this is uh, this isn't like you're an outfielder that got had a, had a ball hit over and you're trying to throw it to stop the ball, which is also illegal. But if you uh, if you throw a helmet at an opponent, you probably shouldn't be playing anymore that day, and that's an easy one for me to back up.
1: He needs to cool. He or she needs to cool off. All right, uh, illegal personal contact. Article 3, no player or non-player shall, G, make any other contact with an opponent, including a defenseless player, which is deemed unnecessary or excessive and which incites roughness. I am so glad that this is in the rules. I wish this was like 1-1 one, one and starred, but <laughs> it's not. It's here in nine four three g but go ahead.
2: Yeah, it just... Uh... Again, there was a time where these big hits were what people came to the game for, and now we realize, you know, through, through time, through looking at uh, concussions and things, that if it's not a part of the play, we don't want people to take excessive hits anymore. So this is just saying, you know, if we used to call it cheap, you know, uh, kind of a dirty kind of play, now we have this rule that just says you can't do it unless it's really a part of the play.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the reason that people stop playing football, right, in like 7th or 8th or ninth grade, because they would be part of this play and be like, why the heck do I need to be out here getting the snot beat out of me for no reason? You know, when it's time to make a a hard hit, make the hard hit. When it's not time, just back off. You don't need to do it. All right, H, no player or non-player shall grasp an opponent's face mask Any edge of a helmet opening, chin strap, or tooth and mouth protector attached to the face mask. And twist, turn, or pull the face mask. Helmet opening, chin strap, or tooth and mouth protector attached to the face mask. Or, incidentally, grasp an opponent's face mask, helmet opening, chin strap, or a tooth and mouth protector attached to the face mask.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing here is, uh, so we actually have two degrees that we need to talk about. We, we have 5-yard and 15-yard penalties. Uh, incidentally is what comes into that 5-yard that category. And then if it's really a, a grasp and pull, yank, twist, that's where we get to 15. Um, I tend to... Uh, do we have a 5 and a 15? We do. If you go to the penalty summary here, if you go H, to... Okay. H, okay.
1: Incidental is 5. Intentional is 15, right?
2: Yep. So if it's... If it's something where, as a part of making the tackle, someone's hand you know, gets maybe caught up or something, into it, that could be a five-yard penalty. Um, kind of when in doubt, we want to go with the, it's 15. You know, They grab, they twist it, it can really wrench someone's neck, that kind of thing. So you see this as a 15-yard penalty most often, but there is a five-yard caveat if you want to.
1: Um, I, and I'd say we get into trouble with this one too because just because a player's face goes to the left or goes to the right you want to say that that was a grasp? And sometimes it's just a hand on the head or something like that. And it just causes it left and right. I I, re- I really caution everybody to make sure that you saw what it is. Yeah. You know, you saw a grasping, intentional or unintentional. You saw the holding of the inside, things like that, that made it. Because I had it in the scrimmage this weekend. It's uh. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy literally, he just, he came across with his big paw, hit a guy's head, you know, as he was trying to make a tackle, and the guy's head went that way real quick. And your initial thought is to just throw the flag. That's, you know, but you're going to get questions from coaches.
2: Well, right, and think about, you know, a forearm going across it, that's not what's covered here. And Mm -hmm. the other thing I think that people don't know necessarily is we talk about helmet opening. Well, what's that? That could be that little ear hole thing. That could be someone grabbing kind of around the back. there's like those pads Mm -hmm. sticking out of it so there are other things that constitute a face mask foul like we still give the same thing but it doesn't have to be actually out on that cage thing this is just somebody yanking on a helmet if you had to think about it that way
1: okay illegal personal contact no player non-player shall i initiate illegal helmet contact i.e butt block face tackle or spear
2: yeah uh, well, let's just, let's just cover what those things are for a definition. So spear is where you have the top of the helmet hit the body of an opponent. A uh, mm-hmm. face tackle is where I think you have your face in the chest and then you go up. That might be the same thing as butt block. I think a face this. tackle
1: is just using your head, as a, but it's not the spear is the top of the head. face tackle is using your, your cage, and you're just going full-bore... Uh, Sure. Right then, at the player and using that as your as a weapon more than anything.
2: Yeah, and then the butt block would be the face to the chest, and then you extend upward, where essentially the top three helmet then jams into the bottom of their chin is a okay. butt block.
1: All right, there's a note here. Illegal helmet contact may be judged by the game official as a flagrant act. Acts that may be judged to be flagrant include, but are not limited to, one, illegal helmet contact against an opponent lying on the ground, two, illegal helmet contact against an opponent being held up by other players or three illegal helmet to helmet contact against a defenseless opponent
2: yeah and i guess uh the the, this is one thing that gets very confusing so if we do have this illegal helmet contact in other codes we would call it targeting that's kind of the buzzword from at least the college side of things it doesn't guarantee the players getting kicked out in high school football um based off of you know the degree the intent as far as we can see it you know was it Accidental, or was it because he was trying to punish an opponent? We have the guidance to say if he was really trying to, you know, be mean with what his intentions were. I guess is the easiest way to put it. Uh, that means that we can throw him out, but it's not automatic. It, it's up to our discretion.
1: Yeah, I, and I think it's worth noting that I hear it's not this. This rule is not necess, this is not in here just to protect the offensive player. This is mainly to protect the defense, the guy who's tackling, the guy or gal who's tackling. I mean, you know, some of it is that, but how many times do you see a linebacker or D back who all of a sudden is laid out because they use the top of their head? They're just not tackling correctly. Yeah. You throw this flag, you will have coaches sometimes say, Whoa, what are we throwing that floor? And the easiest thing, again, I'm trying to give some verbiage to help out here is, Do you? Do you teach your players to lead with their helmet like that. Is that how you teach tackling, Coach? You know, and again, you're not trying to start a debate or anything, but you're either allowing it or you're teaching it. So
2: yeah, and and I, I guess uh, as officials, this is a very gray play for us to call. Yep. Um. The what I try to always do when I'm evaluating these plays is was the player bracing for contact? Sometimes your head comes down as you're bracing because you're about to get hit by somebody, or are you attacking? Now that mm-hmm. means that you are are literally you are lining your head up to hit your opponent with your helmet versus it being incidental. So, uh, bracing versus attacking is a very easy way to try to differentiate. Um, Again, coaches, this is a safety thing both for the person hitting and the person who's being hit with the helmet in this case. If you have that, that top of the helmet, you really do compress your spine quite a bit. So we're trying to teach both offensive defenses and anyone making hits like this to uh, start hitting with their head up just so that we don't have that spinal cord issue.
1: Okay, 9-4, legal personal contact, no player or non-player shell. J strike an opponent with his fist. Locked hands, forearm, or elbow, nor kick or knee him.
2: I think that one's pretty obvious too here.
1: Yeah. Okay. Grab the inside back or side collar or the nameplate area directly below the back collar of either the shoulder pads or the jersey of the runner and subsequently pull backwards or sideward that opponent to the ground. Horse collar. Even if possession is lost, the horse collar foul is enforced as a live ball foul.
2: Correct. So uh, I guess this one's evolved over time here. Uh, We've had horse collar fouls for a long time, but you don't necessarily need to grab inside of the shoulder pads anymore. Just anything from behind, and then that thing where you pull them backwards to the ground. So it does have to be a tackle. You can't just have a, a jerk, which Again, some people might, might misinterpret as a horse collar, but it has to bring the player to the ground is, is the other piece of this thing.
1: L, no player or non-player shall initiate contact with an opposing player whose helmet has come off completely.
2: Correct. And this is, uh, you know, if it happens kind of through the play, let's just say two linemen are in there, one's helmet pops off, and they're kind of engaged still, that's not the one we're trying to catch. It's now if that person's helmet off, you can't go make a new block, you can't hit them. Uh, you know, think about a runner whose helmet's fallen off. You can't go tackle them. Any time that we're unsafe because our helmet is off, we don't want players making unnecessary contact with somebody.
1: Okay, nine four illegal personal contact. No player, non-player shall m target an opponent.
2: Yeah, so it's very Big similar to what we we're talking about with all the the helmet contact, but it's also yeah. Uh, so we now have a rule that says why who who's defenseless. Mainly, the idea behind it is. Because of something going on in the play, my attention is elsewhere. And in a, if I'm in that state, if I'm considered defenseless, to think about a receivers catching the ball, a quarterback who has just thrown it, you know, they contact, they're, they're paying attention to where that ball is going. That makes them vulnerable for contact. Now, targeting specifically would be contact either with your helmet or with a hand, arm, shoulder above the, the neck area to that player is what constitutes targeting. And just the last thing, again, I said it once already, doesn't necessarily mean they're ejected automatically like some of the other codes. It has to be something egregious or, you know, very unnecessary for it to be that. We can just have it be a 15-yarder if it's just kind of through play and it was rough.
1: Yeah. Again, I think I've successfully explained this to players who have called this on is that you didn't need to do that. He, You could have literally blown on him and knocked him over right there because he's in a weird position we'll get some of this stuff. But – the whole point of it is is that you just don't need to just take out an opponent viciously and violently, right? You can make a tackle, you can get everything done, you need to get to get done without being uh, vicious and violent with it. So Yeah, that leads into, say, into this next yeah, one. Yeah, right? you're right. Okay, I get it. So, illegal personal contact. No player or non-player shall end there's only two more of these. There's N and O. N, execute a blindside block outside of the free blocking zone with forceful contact unless initiated with open hands.
2: Yeah, so this, this is definitely one that's been evolving here over the past couple of years. Um, so the idea, again, my, my concentration, maybe I'm watching a runner and I don't see someone who is ahead of me on the play coming back to make a block. Um, that person can still make a forceful block. They have to do it with their hands as kind of the the thing that are making the, the cushion, yeah, that's the, the cushion. cushion. Yep. Yep. And it can be hard. You can knock them over. You just can't do that unless you have your hands out. So that that that's kind of the thing as officials we look for when we have blindside block potential. If the player making the blindside block uses his hands, and again the force is with the hands, not hands in front of me, and then I clean them up with my yeah. shoulder behind him It's really I knock them over with, but with the shove from my hands, that's legal. Anything else where you. are you know, jumping with your shoulder, you're doing some other kind of, you know, hard hit to them. Um, we want to see those hands out for it to not be a foul.
1: I loved when they added this. It makes complete sense. You just can't, it, it's extremely hard unless you're Hulk Hogan or Brock Lesnar or somebody like that to hurt an opponent doing this because, again, you've, just, you've got that cushion of the arms and the hands, right? And they're going to be surprised. Half of the blindside block is that they don't know what's coming, right? So they're going to be surprised to begin with. And you just don't need to take that guy out, you know. Again, you could literally set a pick, and that guy is out of the play.
2: Yeah, and uh, one one kind of clarification on uh, when does somebody see a play coming? This is not, a, you know, at the very last second they turn their face around and the the block's right there, and you know they they get blown up. Still, it's they have to have a chance to react, defend right. themselves, brace. If they don't see it coming, uh, you have to do this with open hands.
1: Yeah. Last year I had this. I, you know, I think this should be a pregame. Everybody, you know, the open hands thing. I mean, I just, I blew a call. Um, hadn't seen it in like four or five games, and all of a sudden, boom, there was one, and I just froze. And I felt horrible afterwards because, you know, the next play goes and you kind of process it. But uh, it should absolutely be a pregame just to make sure that everybody recognizes blindside blocks, open hands. Uh, the last one, which I feel like we covered in other things, but 9-4, no player, non-player, Article three O. Should trip an opponent. Did yeah, so we cover that? A. Eh?
2: We talked about it. Like you can't, uh, you can't use your legs and you know to, to yeah. get in the way of people. This is where we actually have the foul associated with it. And uh, I guess the key thing here is, at one point you could trip the runner. You can't do that anymore either. So that is, you can't trip anybody uh, in high school football.
1: Okay, nine four legal personal contact, Article Four, roughing the passer defensive players must make a definite effort to avoid charging into a passer who has thrown the ball from in or behind the neutral zone after it is clear the ball has been thrown. No defensive player shall commit any illegal personal contact foul listed in 943 against the passer.
2: Yeah, so all those things we just talked about, you can't, there's a special enforcement that we do with Uh, roughing the passer the other thing we have is roughing the passer is one of the few fouls in um, high school football that carries an automatic first down Um, Again, as you go between codes people just get you know uh, pass interference has got to be an automatic first down it is everywhere else but it's not in high school football the only three that we have are roughing the passer roughing the kicker and roughing the holder so the three roughings are the only times there's there's another one
1: roughing the snapper can't rough the snapper yeah
2: holder snapper I should say is the same one right
1: yeah (laughs) <laughs> yep. Um, yeah I think and, and again the ease uh, trying to get verbiage to talk to coaches about this stuff and there's a million ways of saying this and people have said it all you know well if that was hot lava there he would have stopped or if there's broken glass he would have stopped or you know things like that I mean and, and that's what it is right if he if in your judgment something horrible was gonna happen you know he did he have the time to stop it before doing it you know and that and that's the the combat I don't know do you use any of those or do you have any other ones that you've heard
2: i I've heard those terms before uh you know i i try to well if I'm explaining to a coach i say it was that's unnecessary I, I try to be very plain yeah. when uh, i don't I don't try to give too many stories or uh, i guess quips that way. I just say coach that hit was unnecessary and the other thing I always do when I'm explaining this to coaches i say I would protect your player in the same way. That yeah. that takes him from this whole combative nature of his player just fouled to, I understand that you're trying to protect somebody in the game here now too. So I think that's uh, one good thing to communicate to uh, to coaches.
1: 9-4, legal personal contact. Article 5 states that running into or roughing the kicker or holder, a defensive player shall neither run into the kicker nor holder, which is contact that displaces the kicker or holder without roughing, nor block, tackle, or charge into the kicker of a scrimmage kick or the place kick holder other than when A. Contact is unavoidable because it is is not reasonably certain that a kick will be made. We'll come back to that one. D. The defense touches the kick near the kicker and contact is unavoidable. C. Contact is slight and is partially caused by movement of the kicker Or D, contact is caused by R being blocked into the kicker or holder by K.
2: Yeah, so these are things, all these exceptions here are things that do not cause you to throw a flag, if you had to think about it that way. If it's, you got blocked into the kicker, we're not going to say that it's your fault that you got blocked into the guy. Um, If it's very slight or incidental contact, the term I use. uh, We're not throwing a flag just because somebody was back near the kicker and their shoulders rubbed or something like that. It has to be, oh, and the the other exception is if you do block the kick, kind of this whole protection the kicker gets is off.
1: Um, I think the big one here, and recently as everybody starts to get a little more fancy with their punts, is contact is unavoidable because it is not reasonably certain that the kick will be made. If you've got this kind of like, "Mm, we're going to roll out, we're going to see if we need to punt, maybe we can get this five yards if there's not, you know, things like that. And all of a sudden at the last second, oh, I'm going to kick, boom you're either a kicker or you're not a kicker, right? And if you're running with the ball, you're not a kicker. And so it's reasonably certain that a kick will be made. I mean, this is where you can kind of uh, hopefully coaches understand that if they're running this stuff. Some of them don't. I had the question from a, uh, an assistant coach the other day, a buddy of mine who's a, who's a coach, and was asking you know all about snapping and all this stuff, and I said, look, just make sure that if you're trying to do trickery, I'm using my air quotes here, some trickery, you know, Understand that your uh, roughing the kicker might not be called if you're, uh, you know, trying to perform some trickery. So yeah,
2: it, it, we we see it a lot with what we call rugby style kickers, where they kind of take a two or three steps to the right. Well, could they run? Well, yeah, they might be able to. So that idea of not being a traditional catch the ball, take a step and kick, if you're going to the right or direct, sorry, right left whatever, if you're kind of could be a runner, then that protection for someone coming up and trying to block the kick and making contact with you goes away.
1: Okay, 9-4, legal personal contact. Article 6 states, roughing the snapper. See, I told you, Luke. Third one. defensive player shall not charge directly into the snapper when the offensive team is in a scrimmage kick formation. Man, am I sick of yelling, lay off the snapper. You know, <laughs> with stuff like this. It's just, it's what you do on all on all tries, right? Just, you're sound, you're counting the players, just say, lay off the snapper, lay off the, this is what I do, lay off the snapper. And at least then they can't, be mad at you when, when you've warned them.
2: Yeah, and the other thing is, this is probably one of the more complained about things because the snappers think they get this, like, you can't touch them status. That's not the case either. Yeah. When they're down and they're looking back, you can't hit them in the back of the head. Once they've had a chance to snap and then kind of protect themselves, uh, then that kind of protection goes away. What I see happen a lot is the players that are going on, you know, to the to the guards that are next to the snapper, if they try to kind of go in the gap between and then the the offensive player blocks that guy and they kind of bump into the snapper that's yeah. not what this is protecting this is he's vulnerable because he's down looking backwards you can't just knock him in the back of the head
1: article 7 states no defensive player may use the hand or hands to slap the blocker's head
2: yeah this is kind of like what we talked about striking but it's more specific to that slap i guess they can't
1: I feel like this used to be like a nineteen seventies D lineman thing that they swim would just move come up kind and, of thing yeah, yeah. But instead of just doing a swim move, they'd slap the guy in the head just because it was a free reign to use your hands to do it. They couldn't, and the offensive player couldn't, so they just started making this illegal. nine um, four illegal personal contact. Article eight says that unintentional contact between a non-player and a game official in the restricted area while the ball is live. What, what wait? What are we saying here?
2: Yeah, so this is uh, talking about running, it. like if if we're running down the sidelines at an official and someone's in that white area and we run into them, this covers, it's a non-player. It can be a coach or a player or kind of anybody on that sideline. If if there's contact between the official and that non-player of the team, uh, then we do have a foul.
1: Yeah, 15 yards, non-player non, uh, foul. So. Yeah, so
2: this is not this is not like the warning things we do with, you know, make sure your guys get back. This is I'm trying to officiate, and I tripped or hit or walked into somebody that was uh, standing in the white.
1: Okay. 9-5, non-contact, unsportsmanlike conduct by players. Article 1 says, no player shall act in an unsportsmanlike manner once the game officials assume authority for the contest. Examples are, but not limited to, A, Baiting or taunting acts or words or insignia worn, which engenders ill will. Note, the NFHS disapproves of any form of taunting which is intended or designed to embarrass, ridicule, or demean others under any circumstance. B, use profanity, insulting, or vulgar language or gestures. Um, Let's talk about that one really quick. I mean, you're going to hear swear words on a football field, right? I think it helps to... Uh, Tell those players that, hey, there's people listening. Let's try to keep it down. You know, if they're talking to the opponent across the line, way different situation um, than if they're just talking to their own teammates and trying to psych each other up or something like that.
2: People get frustrated. They might swear because they dropped a pass or something. That kind of thing, obviously we don't want it, but we, the degree of them doing it to somebody else that may, you know, we say the words ill will in the rule book here, but... If it's something that's going to just escalate because they're going back and forth, and now you're going to have this posturing and all the, you know, it's just it's not going to stop. We we want to make sure that those things are not de- uh, directed towards the opponents.
1: Yeah, and if it comes out that you threw a flag because of swearing or talking back and forth, you know, it's the coach goes, "What did he say?" You know, you you ask him, coach, and he'll tell you what he said. You know, you don't need to start bringing those words out between the officials and the coaches, it's a bad idea to start using. You bring those words up, tensions go escalate just naturally. Um, unintentionally, they get escalated. and so Something
2: you know. I wouldn't say in church is a good answer back to the coach. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a good one. Yeah. All right, C, any delayed, excessive, or prolonged act by which a player attempts to focus attention upon himself
2: this is more i've scored a touchdown and i'm going to start doing a dance move or something we want to allow players to be excited to celebrate uh, but we don't want to make it two minutes long of a dance routine either right so uh, again we've, we've talked about you know our thresholds for calling things like this if it's immediate spontaneous they're excited great if they're doing it to an opponent well now we have a problem so this is just talking again about you know allow them to have some fun with it but it's also can't be a long, long dance routine. Yeah, that's probably
1: situational too. If it's a sixty-to-nothing game or zero, you know things like that. But um, yeah, D. Kicking at the ball other than during a legal kick. E. Leaving the field between downs to gain an advantage unless replaced or unless with permission of the game official. Yeah. Um, so that's unsportsmanlike. So again, you're trying to deceive more or less. So that's why leaving the field. In and out. Uh, I guess that's we've talked about it in other places.
2: Yeah. So this would be like this would be a player who he goes out, comes back in. And we're not talking about participation rules at this point. This is deception. Uh, yeah. We have some like hideout kind of plays. I guess is where you'd see this most often. It does fit on sportsmanlike.
1: F refusing to comply with a game officials request.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, uh, I think I see this more like, hey. You know, bring your shoulder pads down. Get your jersey over your shoulder pads. Uh, you, you need the proper equipment. Um, tie your shoes. Uh, take off. You know, we've got a, all these uniform things, things like that. I mean, eventually, it's got to be something. And here's what it is: refusing to comply with a game official's request, uh, or G. Using alcohol or any form of tobacco product, e-cigarettes or similar items. So what? No player shall act in an unsportsmanlike manner once. Again. So. <laughs> So it's illegal to drink and or smoke on the sidelines. Got it.
2: Yeah. Don't worry about the age of these people all being 18 and under at this point either. But, yeah, they can't drink or smoke.
1: (laughs) Okay, 9-5, non-contact, unsportsmanlike conduct by players. Article 2, when the ball becomes dead in possession of a player, he shall not intentionally kick the ball. B, spike the ball into the ground. C, throw the ball high into the air or from the field of play or end zone, or D, intentionally fail to place the ball on the ground or immediately return it to a nearby game official?
2: Yeah, so this is just covering things that players do afterward. Again, frustration, they, they spike the ball. That's going to be an unsportsmanlike kind of thing. You know, they, they toss it at an opponent. It's another one that kind of creates ill will. Um, the, the not putting it on the ground immediately, I guess. we you know Sometimes they're trying to hand it to an official or something. But, uh, again, if they, like, carry it off the field with them, there, this covers they, – they need to give us the ball back, is what this yeah. really says.
1: Um, and remember, we've got 16- to 18-year-old um, players. It's an emotional game. This is B1 to really help players through, if you can.
2: Yeah, so I guess the one thing to cover, since we just went through all these unsportsmanlike conduct things, the, these have some – implications that if you get more than one is a big problem for people so uh, if you anytime we we call an unsportsmanlike foul on a coach a player a non-player whoever that ends up being they only can get one during a game if they get a second it means they are disqualified and have to like leave now uh for players they get to stay in the bench area supervised by their coaches and stuff but if it's a coach they gotta they gotta go they can't stay there and continue to create ill will so unsportsmanlikes to have their own kind of I guess, uh, punitive, uh, penalty where if you get two, we have to ask that escalates to an ejection.
1: Yeah. And there's ways to work around that. Particularly, you know, sometimes kids just don't know when they're eight, 16, 17, 18, their emotions are high. The coaches are trying to work with these players, right? I mean, depending on where you're at and, you know, different geographies have different challenges in the, in and of themselves, you know, we are not there to enforce. We're there to help, you know, we're a game official, we are not—we're uh, not police. We're not cops. Things like that. You know, you'll have some coaches that are really appreciative if you can help players through. So, I mean, have I—have we had two unsportsman likes in a game at one point and called one of them flagrant, so we didn't have to kick a player out? Absolutely. But we've also gone up to the coach and said, "Coach, we're calling a flagrant here, and we really like you to take care of this on your side, so we don't have to call up the state." Things like that, because you—you you know that they're trying to work with it too. Most coaches will say, Yep, got it. That guy's out and they're out anyways. And so
2: Well, and it's not just that game too. If you at least in our state, if you do get, you know, one of these things where you get thrown out of a game, you miss the next one too. So you're yep. talking about potentially up to twenty five percent of a person's season gone because yeah. of the way they acted. If the coach is on board and helps you out, yeah, hey, that's the goal of, of us working with the coach to get this player from point A to point B. Uh, coach isn't well, on the I, same page. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. And I think of things like spiking the ball on the ground, right? Like not hurting anybody. I mean, you know, they're not illegally contacting players. They're not, they're not hurting anybody. It's just, it's not in the spirit of the rule of the game, right? And they're kind of bringing stuff on them. Completely throw out what I just said the last two minutes. If If it's like illegal hits or somebody's just being an absolute dink and it's hurting other players or targeting things like that. If it's not hurting another player per se... You know, it is our job to work with some of these people if we
2: can. You can see everything we just talked about here didn't say anything about, like, contact and stuff like that. This Mm -hmm. is all things that are underneath people's control, their behavioral, their attitude kind of things.
1: Remember, it's an emotional game with young men and sometimes women, and uh, emotions are high. 9-6. Illegal participation. Article 1. Prior to a change of possession or when there is no change of possession, no player of A or K, so think of the offense, shall go out of bounds and return to the field during the down unless blocked out of bounds by an opponent. If a player is blocked out of bounds by an opponent and returns to the field during the down, he shall return at the first opportunity.
2: Yep, and so just uh, as a, a heads up, I guess... What the foul is for if someone does this? It is a fifteen yarder, so this is pretty big. If someone is streaking down the sidelines and they step out on their own and they come back in and play, it's it's a big penalty uh, on them. It's not. Yeah. So I think
1: I mean this this comes into play with receivers who you know maybe they're flanked way out and they're trying to get around that D back and they're going on themselves. They run out and come back in. They can't be the first one to touch the ball. Also happens on punters. You know they're trying to get in position. They might be blocked out, but they got to come right back in. They can't continue to run twenty yards downfield out of bounds and then come into play when it's convenient.
2: Well, and it, it's worse than that. So the language of this one again is very, very difficult. That receiver trying to run around the guy goes out of bounds. If he comes back in, it's a fifteen-yard penalty. It's not like as if he comes back in and touches the ball. It's he him by playing after going out of bounds is a fifteen-yard penalty. It's very, very bad in this rule set
1: huh so no player of a or k shall go out of bounds and return to the field during the down so they just have to stay out yeah Yeah.
2: so that's why i'm saying this is like a you know if you can put it as a blocked or kind of an incidental thing where there was some contact that caused them you know this is it's really really bad if you accidentally step out of bounds and keep playing it's a 15 yard foul
1: well so let's i mean again preventative officiating states that if it's on the other side of the field Let's tell somebody and let's not let's not work it. That guy comes back and is blocking or something like that. Well, then, yeah. Um, do we throw our hat or anything like that? Or is that on – is there a mechanic here? Uh, so, no, if, if, he's here? Blo-
2: if he's blocked out of bounce, that's where you'd have the hat to say, okay. I saw him go out of bounce, but I know what it is. If you have a hat and he wasn't blocked out of bounce, you better be throwing a flag the second he comes back in. Okay. And that's kind of what, the, what that whole mechanic is there. But you as the wing official, seeing a player go out of bounce is why we would have a hat. If it's a foul, that means he's come back in afterwards, and he yeah. wasn't blocked.
1: If he's blocked out, fine. Still have hat, but it's just not.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Article 2 of Illegal Participation states, No player shall intentionally go out of bounds during the down and A, return to the field, B, intentionally touch the ball, C, influence the play, or D, otherwise participate. We, just, we basically just covered that, right? Well,
2: it's just we, everything before was A and K, so like offense, this is now okay. saying anybody in B two they can't intentionally go out of bounds. Okay,
1: Article three: No replaced player, substitute coach, athletic trainer, or other attendant shall hinder an opponent, touch the ball, influence the play, or otherwise participate.
2: Yeah, this is you can't be on the sideline and trip someone in the field of play. I mean, it just covers the fact that if you're not one of the 22 people who are supposed to be out there playing, you can't influence the play yeah. anyway. the
1: only other thing i could think of that would happen to the, you know the influence of the play If you've got some overzealous trainer or manager or something who's yelling like look out or something like that you know and trying to influence what's going on i mean it's probably something to talk about first and tell the head coach like what is this person doing you know before calling a foul but um yeah that could be the only thing i, I could think of there 9-6, uh, illegal participation. Article 4 states, it is illegal participation A, when any player, replaced player, substitute, coach, athletic trainer, or other attendant enters and participates during a down. Fairly yeah, obvious.
2: So, this is, so the other one was like their influence from off. I guess this is the same thing, but now they're on the field of play doing it.
1: B, if an injured player is not replaced for at least one down unless the halftime intermission or overtime intermission occurs. Oh, we've talked about this one.
2: Yeah, so we talked about the reasons why we have like officials' timeouts and stuff. Uh, The only time a player who is injured can play the next play is if it occurred on the last play of the half or after the last play of the game and we're moving to overtime. Any other time, like a timeout, doesn't buy that player back in. So that's probably where you'd see this rule come in. A player gets injured, maybe it's the quarterback. The team calls a timeout. If he's back there on the next play... Shame on us for letting him play. We, we should say, Coach, he can't do it and not blow it in, in the first place. But if he does play and we missed it, it's a 15-yard penalty.
1: Yep. A timeout cannot save that player from coming back in. They must yep. be out of play. Yep. C, to have 12 or more players participating at the snap or free kick.
2: Yeah, so a difference uh, between these... someone running off the field where we'd have a substitution foul versus 12 that actually play the whole thing. That's participation, so it's a 5 versus yep. a 15-yarder.
1: And as a preventative official, if you're counting, snap is eminent. Kill it so that it is uh, not a legal participation. What did you just say it was?
2: Correct. No, you have it right. So substitution is the five. Substitution. Yeah, yeah,
1: legal substitution. He's got twelve or more players on the field. You don't want the participation. Help him out. Preventative officiating. It'll get you. Get you far in life. Yep. All right. Article four is illegal participation. D. To use a player, replaced player, substitute, coach, athletic trainer, or other attendant in a substitution or pretend substitution to deceive opponents at or immediately before the snap or free kick.
2: Yeah, this is just covering people trying to use substitution processes as trick plays, whether it's someone who um, was on and was coming off, they were hiding out, they Five people came out, and then they looked like they were all coming off, and then one stayed behind. There, there's all kinds of things that when we talked about those substitution practices. This covers, like, if you do that, um, we're going to ding in for 15 for deceiving using the process to deceive your opponent.
1: Yeah, it says at or immediately before the snap. I mean, I could see where, like, all of a sudden you've got, like, a, a lineman that's lined up way out wide or something like that if somebody wanted to. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, nope, we're going we're gonna to switch this guy. You know, because then the defense is like, well, am I going to have a D-back covering this guy? Or what's, you know, what's the deal? Uh, you know, then boom, switch.
2: I could see also you have, like, 10 people go out for your field goal. You do it on purpose, right? And mm-hmm. then right before the snap, you have someone. So let's just say we're on the right side of the field and your team box is on the left side of the field. Right before you actually snap the ball, you have someone run out inside the nines get set for a second. Well, yep. the defense didn't have a chance to match up in high school yeah. football we don't do anything to like stop them from snapping there's no uh, substitution mechanic stuff they're legal mm-hmm. to go do that now we also don't let them get away with it there's a foul for what they just did
1: 9-6 article 4 it is illegal participation for a player to be lying on the ground to deceive opponents at or immediately before the snap or free kick
2: yeah the, the old hideout on a kickoff is kind of what these sometimes people will Lay on the ground, and then so a kick will go to the left side of the field, and they'll maybe throw back, and the player jumps up. Yeah, particularly
1: when you've got uh, like all solid uniforms, and you've got and an green end zone. At green. Yeah. yeah, yeah, things like that. Um, yeah, so a player cannot be lying down on the ground to deceive an opponent. That's fairly simple.
2: As officials, if we do see it, again we talk about preventive officiating. We can say players lying on the ground, he's injured, <laughs> so don't let the snap get off. <laughs> yeah, he's got to leave for a play. So yeah. that's that's a great way. <laughs> To not enforce 15-yard penalties, not uh, allow the team to get away with something they can't do by rule anyway, and uh, you know, kind of point out to the coach it's a foul if you would have done that anyway. So, uh, player on the yeah. ground when we blow it in, we have a problem. We're going to say you're injured. You got to go off for a play. Oh, jeez, yeah, this guy's
1: well, no, no, he was, he was fine. Oh, so you're going to intentionally deceive here, huh, coach? You want an illegal? Partic- this is against the rules, you know, right? Yeah. That'd be pretty good. Yep. Uh, F, illegal participation is legal participation when F, for a disqualified player to re-enter the game. I mean, cripes. If that happens, good luck. Uh, and G, for a player whose helmet comes completely off during a down to continue to participate beyond the immediate action in which the player is engaged. Now, if it comes off, he's the runner. Don't we blow the whistle as an official?
2: Correct, it does. This is more um, I'm an I'm a offensive lineman blocking in front of a play. My helmet pops off. We allow them to continue what they're immediately doing, but he can't continue and go block somebody else. So much like we talked about with we protect players whose helmets come off, you can't go hit them. If your helmet comes off, you also can't continue to participate. So this is saying your helmet pops off, your, your play is done. you got to just stand there and not do anything else.
1: Okay, 9-7, illegal kicking and batting. We're on to 9-7 now. It's a long rule, Luke. Holy cow.
2: Lots of things they can't do. Yeah,
1: Illegal kicking and batting. Article 1. No player shall intentionally kick the ball other than as a free or scrimmage kick.
2: Correct. And uh, the big thing with this is, you know, this is like intentional. You have to literally swing your foot. It's not incidental. The ball's rolling around and, you know, as you run after it, you try to pick it up and you you kick it. This is, you're kicking it to keep it away from somebody or something like that.
1: Article 2. No player shall bat a loose ball other than a pass or a fumble in flight or a low scrimmage kick in flight which he is attempting to block in or behind the expanded neutral zone. Exception. A K player may bat toward his own goal line a grounded scrimmage kick which is beyond the neutral zone and may also bat toward his own goal line a scrimmage kick in flight beyond the neutral zone if no R player is in position to catch the ball.
2: Correct. So you you can't bat it forward is kind of what that exception is covering. It is illegal to bat the ball in forward direction for anybody unless it's these specific pass or loose ball plays that they cover there.
1: I mean, if you did bat it backward, I mean, there's first touching too, but then there's also illegal batting?
2: Well, the big thing is we we don't have a foul for it is what what this is allowing for. So if a kick's rolling around the ground, if they bat it back kind of towards where they kicked it from, we allow them to have that there's first touching so they're not going to, like, get out of yardage. But if this was a foul like it is on other plays, um, we would have then a flag and 10 yards and that kind of stuff to deal with. So it's just saying you're allowed to bat it backwards. First touching is still a part of this, though.
1: Okay. Article 3, illegal kicking and batting, states that any pass in flight may be batted in any direction by an eligible receiver unless it is a backwards pass batted forward by the passing team.
2: Yeah, I don't know why they would do that. I mean, bats, again, an intentional thing. It's not someone just trying to touch it and it ends up going forward. So maybe a backwards pass where a running back, like, hits it forward and then now, well, I don't know, someone else can catch it or something. But yeah. I, I haven't figured out. It's legal for him to do it, But so it must come up somehow. But I haven't figured out a good play example on that one yet.
1: Okay, illegal kicking and batting. Article 4 states a ball in player possession shall not be batted forward by a player of the team in possession.
2: Yeah, we talked a little bit about that with kick plays too, but um, allow you're allowed to.
1: So, so I mean, I it, guess it, you, you've got a legal forward pass. So to get around that rule, you know, you're essentially setting it like a volleyball, like a volleyball serve, right? You're gonna punch it forward is that way i mean that's that's illegal batting of the ball forward to get around an illegal it's not a pass i didn't pass the ball forward i just batted it forward so
2: well and it's like this would be it's kind of goofy the way they're saying like it's not the player who has the ball it's by uh, anybody on his team in possession so so as a runner you can't hold it and have the lineman come and like punch it forward to get around that yeah. uh legal forward pass rule so again corner case i i don't think i've ever actually seen this one come up
1: nine eight we're up to 9.8. Non-contact, unsportsmanlike conduct by non-players. Article 1 states, no coach, substitute, athletic trainer, or other team attendant shall act in an unsportsmanlike manner once the game official assumes authority for the contest. Examples are, but not limited to, A, using profanity, insulting, or vulgar language or gestures. Note, the NFHS disapproves of any form of taunting which is intended or designed to embarrass, ridicule, or demean others under any circumstance. Now, I don't know if we see that from coaches, athletic trainers, or other team attendants, but substitutes, man, you've got some guys that are number 89 on the list of players to get in, and you hear them all the time thinking they're funny over there. But
2: yeah, I was, I was commenting on their team's shoes, is what I hear. Where'd you get those shoes? They're so small or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's just so. This is this is going to sound repetitive, but all those unsportsmanlike we talked about before were essentially guys on the field doing things. This is going to cover a lot of that same action, but for people that are in the bench area.
1: Right. B. Attempting to influence a decision by a game official. Uh, They don't do that. Never. C. Disrespectfully addressing a game official. Hardly ever happens. D. Indicating objections to a game official's decisions. Oh man, if you call a penalty for that, then. Look out. You need some thicker skin in my book.
2: Or uh, even this, the yelling holding, is it supposed to be an unsportsmanlike comment? Yeah, right. <laughs> All right done. Yeah, may, may, let, let's just state this here. These things give us latitude when these things get really out of control or uh, egregious, but... Um, it, I've never been to a game where someone hasn't disagreed with my decision as an official. So, yeah. uh, again, this is another time that we want to really have our threshold be there where someone's getting personal or they they won't get off of a subject or something. Just normal complaining, questioning, that kind of thing, doesn't fit unsportsmanlike acts by that bench. Uh,
1: e. No, again, of unsportsmanlike manner. Some examples. E, using an illegal communication equipment as outlined at 153C and one six
2: yeah so i think this is like you can't use cell phones like if a coach has left the game he can't call and tell the old coordinator what he's doing i forget exactly we'll get to it in rule one when we're talking about what electronics they can and cannot use as a part of game day if they go outside of that i think cell phone's the main one i think of to text or uh call um they that's an unsportsmanlike act
1: okay f holding an unauthorized conference Note: Between downs, communications between players and coaches near the sideline are not considered conferences as defined by two six. Good note, I guess, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's if you were to have two coaches come out to the field and there was fifteen players out there officially, that's unsportsmanlike because of the way they did that conference. They again, we would just not allow that to happen as they're bringing those people out.
1: G states the failure of a team to one comply with the restrictions of three. 2-2 at the coin toss or simulated coin toss. Again, crepes. It's a coin toss. If you start throwing penalties, um, you got bigger problems. Two, be ready to start the first half. Again, I'm going to say it, preventative officiating. There is a number of reasons. The only reason to start calling uh, flags is if somebody comes up to your face and says, no, we're not getting out there right now, right? Like, help people out. Three, be on the field following the conclusion of halftime intermission or be ready to start the second half at the conclusion of the mandatory warm-up period. And if somebody's complaining about this, they can go fly a kite as far as I'm concerned. As long as everybody, I mean, you will know if somebody's being defiant as opposed to something happened. You know, the lights turned off, we couldn't get out of the the gym or something like that, or, you know, we had a player fall down, everybody's trying to help. There's, there's so many reasons. And, again, an extra two minutes is not going to hurt anybody.
2: Yeah, and this I guess just as a game management thing, uh, there's no way to lose credibility with half the people in the area or half the people that are attending that game than if you start a half or something like that, which again there's no consequence for them being 30 seconds late, right? That it's not like that caused harm or something, right? This is just technicality stuff. And if you really want to upset a, a fan base or half of the you know the other team, calling these things, it just gets you on the wrong foot. Then you are being that over officious guy. We just are trying to make sure it's even that people play you know equitably. Uh, I just this is the stuff that. Good preventive officiating means that we never have to get into this part of the rulebook, right?
1: Yep. H. Following pregame verification, as in one five four, a coach allowing his or her players to use illegal equipment. Again, here's the only problem I've got with this rule: is that throughout this whole rulebook, they use the pronoun his for every player, but now for coaches, they're going to allow his and her. Like, I mean, let's get with the times, people. Just put they in there. Yeah. We'll be covered. Yeah,
2: they, us, yeah.
1: me. I, being on the field except as a substitute or replaced player. Hmm, man. Preventative offici... All of these are prevent- preventative offici... J, using alcohol or any form of tobacco product, e-cigarettes uh, e- or similar items. Oof. You call a coach for chewing. I mean, again, that's... That's between the, the coach and their administration, I think, more than anything, if that's going
2: He'd on. You'd have to spit it on my nice uh, white shoes if he was going to get a call like that. Yeah,
1: K, being outside the team box, but not on the field. Preventative, preventative, preventative. Um, or I, a substitute leaving the team box during a fight. Now there, okay, that's about hey, the only rule. one I can. Yeah, yeah. got that rule. <laughs> okay, Article <laughs> 2. That-
2: oh, go ahead. So do to, we, all we would do is cover with that one is it is a, a problem. If there's a fight going on in the field, anyone who goes out, break it up or not, they can't go on the field. We'll allow coaches and stuff to come help and break it up, but those players that go out, and even if they're peacekeepers, we don't know, it's illegal for them to go out and also kind of get involved with that.
1: We're still in 9-8, non-contact, unsportsmanlike conduct by non-players, Article 2, three attendants. None of whom is a coach may enter the field to attend their team during a charged timeout or a TV timeout during the one minute following a try, a successful field goal or safety, and prior to the succeeding free kick between periods and during an official's timeout for unusual heat and humidity during a timeout for injury, the coach and or such attendance as may be deemed necessary by the referee may, with permission, enter to attend to the injured players. In no other case, except as in 2-6, shall any non-player other than an entering substitute enter without referees' permission?
2: Yeah, so we, we have, I guess, water boys, water people, water girls, and uh trainers are allowed on the field. It says three again. If you had four, I'm not gonna get into it. You can't have eleven, you we know, don't come out for each player or something like that. But this just covers that. One of those sideline staff is allowed to come out. They're not considered a coach for those uh, on-field, what do we call those things, conferences. Mm -hmm. So uh, this just lets them come on the field.
1: 9-8, Article 3, a non-player shall not be outside his team box unless to become a player or to return as a replaced player. A maximum of three coaches may be in the restricted area no player, non-player, or coach shall be in the restricted area when the ball is live.
2: Yeah, uh, so that area they're talking about, uh, we describe it in Rule 1. It's that white area. Um, We allow coaches to be in there, to call plays, to talk to us. But once the snap is imminent, the ball is live, that white area is supposed to be clear. Now, if it is clear, we'll never have that one we were talking about earlier where you run down the sideline and run into a coach. So Uh, I guess it's not as easy to keep those guys behind the white as we would like, but this does cover that that area is supposed to be clear for us to be able to officiate.
1: All right, 9-9, unfair acts. Article 1 states, a player or non-player or person, persons, not subject to the rules, shall not hinder play by an unfair act which has no specific rule coverage. How about that for Squishy? So we're talking about parents here, right?
2: Well, parents... uh, I don't know what it could be—a mascot or something could run out there. I mean, maybe a person. Ooh, band director.
1: We've had band directors. (laughs) No, we are going with a twenty-minute halftime. You know, I've had that one time where, or or, hey, you know what? This comes up. The band won't shut up. They won't stop playing. So you know, so during their uh, when their team's on offense, dead quiet. You know, But when their team's on defense and the other team's trying to get fouls in, their band keeps playing. We've had it, had it once. We've had it once. The band director came down at halftime. What are you talking about?
2: The, the other one that is becoming a little bit more prevalent now, um, if you have those big video boards at the one end of the field, mm-hmm. maybe someone's about to kick a field goal, and all of a sudden you see a bunch of McDonald's french fries yeah. up behind where those posts are, or something goofy like that. Maybe, you know, As they're about to kick, all of a sudden that thing starts flashing like crazy. He hasn't done that all night. Whatever those things are that we can't dream up, we have this rule that allows us the right as officials to kind of make sure someone's not doing something that they shouldn't be.
1: All right, we'll read this at the end. But Articles 1, 2, and 5, unfair act. The referee enforces any penalty he or she considers equitable, (laughs) including the award of a score. So Luke, you could say that's a 40-yard penalty, bro. (laughs) You
2: can. You can say here – you, you did it they missed the kick they get three anyway yeah you can say that that's that's something that's in our uh, rules. Our yeah reads. so
1: unfair acts I mean again this is great to have this it's great to know this just to be able to verbalize it this is an unfair act coach but article two states no team shall repeatedly commit fouls which have the distance to the goal line um yeah. I think most of these are covered because we keep trying to find these right but there's got to, it, it, it might happen somewhere but to compete you know to continually do that, uh, without a loss of down, I don't know.
2: No, I, I got a good one. So let's just say um, a team is up by 10. So it's two scores. Mm-hmm. And that team that's behind is about to score. Now, what this is saying is let's just say my defensive coordinator thinks I can game the system. They are just going to grab and hold every receiver, every lineman. His whole defensive team just grabs and holds the entire time. Well, officially, mm-hmm. if they keep doing this, they there's potential for the offensive team to never get in. And really, it's making a mockery of the game at that point. If all those D-backs do is just grab and tackle the guy the whole time, officially they're extending the game, time keeps going, and maybe they're trying to make it so that they just eventually run out of time. What this allows me to do as the white hat is to say, you can't do that, you can't repeatedly commit fouls, either, again, that was going in, we could also have it where they're trying to kill time and go backwards. And I can now restore time, I I can... again, find an equitable solution to counteract that thing that people were doing to make a mockery of the game.
1: And the game may be forfeited, it says. Article 2, repeated fouls, the game may be forfeited. So you can say, you keep doing that, I'm awarding the game to the other team. Yeah. Huh. All right, Article 3, no player shall hide the ball under his jersey. All right, we're not going to talk about that one. Article 4, no player shall use a kicking tee in violation of Rule 134.
2: Yeah, so it just can't, be too high off the ground is about the only thing that covers
1: And article five neither team shall commit any act which in the opinion of the referee tends to make a travesty of the game there we go unfair act this you're making a travesty of the game and things pop up all the time i mean you get coaches who think they're smart and you know frankly it's very ingenious some of the stuff people come up with sometimes but again you can't make a travesty of the game and it's our job to make sure that it's not a travesty of the game
2: yeah, when you say it's not, it's not the rule book. Doesn't say, or I can't do that. And you go, well, I'll go to the end of Rule Nine, and you'll find out that I get uh, kind of to, to have discretion over things not covered by the rules specifically.
1: Yeah, I mean, and again, there's all sorts of things that know this one, so that when you have nothing else to explain it, a guy's just sitting on the ball, not letting the ball be ready for play, things like that. You know, he's making a travesty of the game. Um, think it's an unfair act. Just say it's an unfair act, and, and then you're you're pretty much covered. So. All right, Luke, that was Rule 9, conduct of players and others. Lots of things you can't do. All right, well, we'll catch you in the next one. We'll be in Rule 10. Thanks for listening. And, uh,
0: Luke, have a great evening. Well, you're at the game, and it's Friday night, and you want to make sure that the calls are right. This is high school football. There's a hole in a fumble and an illegal pass. Now what do you do? Cause you're the ref. Well, this is high school football rules. Well, sit on down and kick right back. You're going to listen to Luke and Matt. They're talking high school football rules. They're talking high school.